0: Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Okay so far? Doing good? Okay. Well, if we haven't met, just kind of already said it, but hello, my name is Cindy. I am on staff here, and I'm really, really excited and honored to be sharing God's Word with all of us today. Um, and we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into it. So, I'm gonna do a quick little recap of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn to Ruth. And we're gonna be doing a little recap on chapters one and chapters two. What we've seen here in the first two chapters are some pretty neat ideas between relationships and between people. And specifically today, we're gonna reread some of the verses that Pastor Brun shared with us last week But we're going to be talking about relationships. Now, specifically, we are going to be talking a bit about dating, a little bit about marriage. Maybe it's going to get awkward. Maybe it's not. So do with that what you will. Okay, so chapter one of Ruth. Here what we're seeing is immediately we have an introduction of a man named Elimelech. And he is married to someone who's named Naomi. And together they have two sons, whose names are Malon and Kilion, who we learned a couple weeks ago actually translate to sick and tired. That really isn't gonna affect anything that we talk about today, but I just wanted to remind you because it's funny. Okay, so then after that, what we're seeing is this family moves and they start to, this journey from Moab, where they originally lived, or from Bethlehem, so Bethlehem to Moab. And in Moab, the two sons, sick and tired, they meet their two wives. So these two people are named Orpah and Ruth. And Ruth is kind of who we're gonna be talking about. Now, by the time literally verse three comes around, all of a sudden, there's a lot of death that's happening. And by the time verse five comes around, all the men that we've been introduced to in the story, gone. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Ask the Lord about it. Let's move on. Okay, so then after this, the story begins to pick up a little bit and it's starting to get a little bit more exciting. And what we see here is that Naomi, she's feeling a lot of grief. There have been three losses in her life. She's probably feeling a lot of emotions. And so she decides with her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, that it's time to go. They decide they didn't wanna be there. They felt in their hearts it was time to move on, pack up and go. So they begin to travel back to their homeland. And after a little bit of back and forth, Orpa, which is one of the daughter-in-laws, she decides she wants to go on a different path, whereas Ruth decides she wants to stay with Naomi. And the text actually says that Ruth, her response to deciding to go with Naomi was actually far from expected. Shortly after this, this is when we're introduced to our main man, Mr. Boaz. Now, Boaz, scripture also tells us that happens to be a relative of Elimelech, which is the first person that we met in chapter one. Now, Naomi and Ruth are in this new place. They're kind of starting this new journey. And of course, there's a natural need for resources, for food, that kind of thing. So what ends up happening is Ruth requests permission to Naomi to go out and pick up grain from anyone who would be willing to let her. And we see in chapter two, verses three, this is subtle, as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz. And over the course of a couple of verses, we begin to see how Boaz notices her, treats her, and we see that unfolding. And there are a couple key things that as we are gonna read the text, we're gonna see things such as care and honor and protection kind of start to come up. And that's gonna be our main focus for tonight and we're gonna be talking about meaningful relationships. And a lot of us can take this as dating relationships, marry marriages, or just friendships. These are key principles that the Lord is teaching us very clearly in scripture here. And I recognize that there is a lot of sin in the world. There's a lot of brokenness. There are millions of things that society and people are trying to push on us. They're trying to tell us what to do, who to like, how to like them. And it can feel confusing, but what's not confusing is what scripture says, and that's what we're gonna focus on tonight. So why don't you bow your heads with me, we're gonna pray. Lord, we come to you with gratitude. We thank you that we have the opportunity to learn about your word to hear the things that you are gonna teach us tonight. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you come over this space right now, that you soften our hearts, you open our ears, and that we can hear your voice tonight. Let it be your words that are spoken, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so like I said, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Ruth chapter two. Side note, I say this to my students all the time. If you don't have your Bible here, you should have your Bible here. That's the whole point. But if you don't, there's one in front of you. So take a look right over there and open up to chapter two of Ruth. So we're gonna read quite a bit of verses here. So bear with me. We're gonna be looking from verses 10 all the way to 14. And kind of what's happening here is this is right after Boaz had told Ruth to gather the grain right where she was and not to go anywhere. And he will make sure she is taken care of. So right off the bat, he's showing Protection. He's speaking protection over her. So this is what verse 10 and onward says. At this, she bowed down her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told about all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with people who you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the white vinegar. Now, my first point of the night, we're talking about meaningful relationships. We're looking right at the relationship between Ruth and Boaz and a bit of that relationship between Naomi and Ruth. And so my first point for us tonight is that your relationship should be built on character. So what's happening here is, like I mentioned earlier, Ruth is probably going through a number of different things in her heart and in her mind, As Naomi was, they have experienced a lot of pain, a lot of grief. They've traveled. They're probably physically tired. And now she's in a place where she needs these resources, so she needs to be going to work. And yet, despite all these crazy things that were happening, Ruth kept going. She remained faithful. She was loyal. And she continued walking forward instead of turning back, or instead of hiding, or instead of running away. She could have, she could have done those things, but she didn't. And as soon as all of this stuff begins to unfold, we see how she's met by someone who doesn't necessarily know her personally, but has heard these different things about her. But he hasn't just heard about, oh, there's this girl who had all this loss in her life and left it there. As we just read in scripture, it actually says that he, honors her and recognizes that she actually stayed loyal, that she was there. And he starts to mention and look at and point at these specific character traits. In verses 10 and 11, it says that she was so shocked by his, which is Boaz's, kindness that she bowed down her face to the ground. And Boaz says to her, I've been told about all you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with people you did not know before. Ruth may have viewed her past as a bunch of letdowns or a bunch of heartaches, a bunch of pain, but God, who we all know is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, he did something new here. He did something loving, and he did something redemptive. I love what Boaz is saying here, because in so many words, he's saying, hey, I recognize X, Y, and Z has been hard. I recognize that things things have happened. And yet, instead of letting her stay in that pain or labeling her as that pain or that darkness, he actually immediately recognizes the light and the grace over her life. And he chooses to elevate that, because that is how he ends that sentence. And so the way that we choose to handle all the craziness of life, that actually is going to speak a lot about our characters. And as we ultimately try to find relationships and partners and all of this stuff, our character, our true character, that's what matters. And I recognize, okay, we're in the same boat here, people. Dating is funny, okay? I said it. It's kind of funny. It's either like you knew this person your whole life and like secretly you were kind of obsessed with them and you're like, no, oh, notice me. And then they finally do and you're like, yes. Or you're on the other side of things where you're like, where did this come from? And you're all confused and you're trying to not do it and then you do it. Or maybe it's like a combination of all these different things. And I find that often what we end up doing is where we're, we see someone we like, we're like, okay, this is what I want to go after. And then you're, you're Pulling out all the tips and the tricks and the things that people have told you. And you're like, got to put my best foot forward. I need to do everything I can so this person thinks that I'm perfect or close to. And sometimes we do that consciously. Sometimes we don't. But often that is what starts to happen. And I find that in in an interesting way, it can be a little bit like a show. How long can I keep this up? I wonder if they'll notice or let me walk out the door and I'll be this person and then I get home and oh, okay, I can do something else again. And again, I recognize it's not always conscious, but we we tend to kind of gravitate to that. However, I wanna draw our attention to that last point that I said, character. And maybe if we find ourselves in that little teeter, maybe there's actually something in our heart that we either need to confess, we need to repent to, or we need to just simply acknowledge. Because a meaningful Christ-centered relationship and a life of righteousness can't, just simply cannot be built on a foundation of sin. And if you truly want a Christ-centered relationship, it has to start with having Christ at the center of your heart. Because you can't go seeking something that you don't already have in someone else. Because Jesus, he's saying, hey, I'm here. I want to pour into you, I want to speak into you so that you can then go and love and do the things that he's asking you to do. But if you're doing it from a place of emptiness or a place of confusion or for the wrong motives, you're gonna find yourself kind of like, well, what do I do? A bit empty, a bit confused. See, if our hearts aren't truly, truly orientated towards Christ, you're always going to be missing something. There's going to be a little piece of you that maybe is wanting a little bit of care or compassion or empathy. And maybe you'll find yourself seeking it from person to person to person, and it's not being fulfilled, and it's not being fulfilled. But Christ is saying, hey, I'm here. I want to fulfill that. And I want to speak into you, and I want to be with you. Again, good character truly doesn't come from ignoring sin in your life. It comes from recognizing it, repenting from it, and running towards Christ and having him do the work in your heart to remove that. And for us today, again, going back to, this, to dating and to marriage relationships in general, we need to recognize that character is who we are. And this is not to be confused with reputation Because reputation is what others think of you. And sometimes it's true, and sometimes it's not. But character is who you really are. It's who you are in your heart and who comes out. Your character is the real you in the sense that you can't separate who you are from what you do. See, Ruth, in the verses we just read, she wasn't pretending to be a certain way to get people's attention. She wasn't thinking, oh, I've lost my brother-in-law and my father-in-law and my husband, but I'm gonna go find Boaz, so it's gonna be okay. No, she was simply doing the things that she was doing. She was being loyal. She was there for Naomi. She was walking forward because that is who she was. That was her character. She was of good character. And that really spoke to me, to have and to read what Boaz was saying. Here are all these things, but you did something wonderful. You stayed loyal. You stayed with Naomi. That is really powerful, and it really impacted my heart. And I truly believe that what we should be doing, we're talking about good character, we're looking at Ruth, but today that can feel like, oh, well, how do I actually do that? And maybe this seems a bit easier said than done, but truly, if our roots are in Christ we don't need to worry because his hand is over our situations. His hands is over our relationships and over all things. And if we build a strong foundation on Christ, our relationships will have that strong foundation. And honestly, we don't want to give our hearts to people if God does not have theirs. If we look back into the text, verses 15 and 16 say, Boaz gave order to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some socks from her, from the bundles, and leave them there for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. And this is going to be my second point for us. And that is simply that love is kind. And a little while ago, I had this moment with the Lord. And I really felt like he was speaking to me about hearts. And specifically in that moment, my heart and the hearts of many of us. And I know that we carry a lot in our hearts. Sometimes we let people into those things. Sometimes we don't. But Jesus is saying, I want to hold your heart. And he actually does hold our hearts. And when he does, he's doing so with delicacy, with patience, with kindness, with true love. And I know that often, a little too often in my opinion, when we open our hearts to people here in this world, it's not always met with that same compassion or patience or kindness. Often we're met with people who grab a hold of our hearts and they kind of like fumble it a little or they drop it and we're kind of sitting here going, oh, And it's hurting us, but we kind of just like almost ignore it, and we don't actually recognize that Jesus is here wanting to heal those parts of our hearts. And I also think that often when we're in that place, we can kind of feel like we're a bit numb to it, we're a bit numb to the treatment, or maybe we're thinking that that's the way that it should be, or we play the blame game on ourselves. There's just so many things that I feel like the enemy tries to confuse us with when our love and our hearts are not met with the true, true love of Christ. There's this video out there in the interwebs, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it, but there's this little girl, I don't know, she's probably like four or five, and she's talking to whoever's on the other side of the camera, and I guess this girl was like going through a breakup or had something going on. So she must've been sad. And this little girl is in front of the camera and she's going, are you dating a boy or an onion? And she's just like, why, why is he making you cry? Why is there so much pain? And she's just is straight up four or five years old being like, what's up with this? And I'm like, this girl was onto something. She knew something that we forget. And that is that love is kind. And I get it, we're human, we mess up sometimes. I understand that. But again, if we relate it back to our first point, if we're looking at character, true character, again, rooted in Christ, it's not gonna bring you pain. It's not gonna bring you hurting. It's not gonna be tearing you apart. I also think that because of hurt and unkindness, we don't always have the true definition of love. And you guys hear often, Jesus is love, Jesus is love, but I'm not so sure we can actually explain what that means or we can actually point to scripture and say this is what the Bible says. See kindness and love is getting to a place where you can serve others and go from a place of self-centeredness and go to other-centered. And you're showing love to them. Verse 20 says, The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter in law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Boaz gave these orders to his men. He took care of Ruth while also respecting her and letting her do work for herself. But he took initiative in caring for her and displaying that kindness. He guarded her dignity, he let her work, and then at the end of this, he did the most important thing, and that is that he prayed for her. And I truly believe that that is a formula worth replicating today. The enemy's number one tactic most of the time is to stop us from praying. It's to distract us. It's to get us not focused on Jesus. It's to stop us from getting to church. It's to stop us from having conversations that honor him. So often, our minds get clouded with millions and millions of different things. And especially when we're dating or we're looking to date someone, we get so wrapped up in things like how we look, how they look, what they said. Was this text weird? You're showing your friends. It's in the group chat. It's doing all the things. But I truly, truly wonder what would happen if we just stopped? And I know it's easier said than done, but really, if we stopped manipulating situations or fabricating texts, if we found ourselves getting to a place where we're less concerned about what people think of us or how to be the perfect person for the wrong reasons, and instead we get more concerned on truly loving well and loving the way Christ has intended us to love. God, doesn't ask us to be like everyone else in the world who doesn't know him. He's not saying you should probably go do all the things that so-and-so did who doesn't know Jesus. No, he is saying, look to my word and do what I ask you to do. The world, it doesn't always have the right definition of love and so if we continuously are doing what the world is doing and trying to do that over and over and over again, all we are doing is hurting ourselves and the person we're with because we're trying to do all of this from a place that doesn't know Jesus, a rootless place. And each one of us in this room, we are children of God. The King of Kings the creator of heaven and earth, he has called each one of you. And scripture is clear, so, so clear, that Jesus loves you. Again, the king of kings loves you. And if he loves you and he is showing respect to you, you bet that every single person here should be showing respect to one another too. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork. And if we really let that set in, it is very powerful. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And if we are God's handiwork, and we believe what this says, that God has prepared things for us to do, We need to be listening to God to know about those things. And my third point for the night, my final point, is that you are worthy to be loved. After all these great things Boaz had said and he had done for Ruth, it says in verse 21, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is complete. So again, what Boaz is doing here is that he is showing love. He's not running up to her and being like, I love you, I'm going to do all these things. He's just showing it to her. And I want to speak truth over every single one of us. Just like in Ruth's story, God heals the brokenhearted. He shows up, he restores lost hope, he blesses, he protects, and he is redemptive. He doesn't want us to live in the pain of the past. He doesn't want us to continuously be looking at that and feel like we're drowning in that. But the enemy, he wants to use that fear and he wants to try to hurt you. And he wants to try to confuse you, but he doesn't get that authority over your life. One of the best lessons I ever learned when it comes to relationships is that one, foundation of prayer. And in connection to that, is if you find people around you that believe in that foundation and are willing to partner with you in that foundation, that is life-changing. To find people who will support you, encourage you, who will point you to Christ, who will pick you up, will be by your side, will lay hands on you and pray for you and your relationships in any and all times. That is knowing the power of Jesus and the power of prayer. Ruth had Naomi throughout this whole process that we've began to see. She was there for her. She showed loyalty right from chapter one. She cared for Ruth. And then in a super unique way, we see that loyalty given back to her through Boaz and the different things that we have read and that are still to come. And you deserve that in your relationships and in your communities too. So I encourage you to find people who honestly will tell you you're being ridiculous when you're being ridiculous. I know we're afraid of that. I know we don't like it. I know it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary. Find people who will say, that's a red flag. Who will say, according to the Bible, according to Jesus, that is not how you should be treated. And find people that will pray with you for you and for your relationships. People, find people who truly will recognize, and maybe right now you even need to start to believe this truth for yourself, that prayer should be the first response to things and not the last resort. And I know that maybe dating doesn't apply to all of us in this room. Some of us perhaps are dating, some of us are single, maybe some of us are married. But this, I truly believe Christ is saying we need to carry in our hearts for any and all relationships. We need to have character that represents Christ well. We need to show love, we need to show kindness. And we need to look at ourselves in the mirror maybe and believe in our hearts that we are worthy to be loved and speak that truth over the people around you too. I was beginning to write this sermon earlier in the week and my sweet friends who were sitting over here were with me in a coffee shop and I burst into tears (laughs) as I do. And I was like so overwhelmed, thinking and attempting to fathom God's love. And I can't, I can't fathom it. I think of people and friends and family who I love. And I think that I carry all of the love the world has to offer. And yet Christ's love is so much bigger than that. And I truly believe that there's someone in this room that needs to hear that that person who hurt you, that person that wasn't kind, whose character didn't honor or respect you. Their inability to love you how Christ has intended, does not and cannot take away from the fact that you are worthy and deserving to be loved. Ruth was shown love despite her past. She didn't have someone who was standing there dangling it over her head. She had someone who was showing kindness who was showing up for her, who was praying for her. And this was before anything crazy even happened with the two of them. Like, come on, that's good. And despite all of that, God's plan for Ruth, that remained. No one could take that away. I'd love for us to move into a time of reflection. And for each one of us, I'm sure a response will look slightly different. And I don't know if you're sitting in this place and you're thinking some of these things really apply to you. Maybe you're in a place of feeling like Ruth felt with a lot of grief and pain. Maybe you're sitting here saying, I need new hope. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what, this story, what Christ is saying, in scripture, that's what I want. And that's what I wanna work towards. And so whatever God is speaking to you in your hearts, I don't want us to pass up the opportunity to hear from Him and for us to feel His love, for Him to reveal something to each one of us. And through that, Father, We want you to transform our hearts, our minds, our characters to be more like you. That our relationships can be built on a foundation that is found in you and you alone. That we can look to your word on how to be kind and how to be loving that you remove the parts of our hearts that are not honoring. And Father, that as we step into relationships, as we step into dating, as we step into marriages, that we can be doing so, so confident that you are with us and that each day we are trying to be more and more like you. Father, we ask for those in this room that need healing that you come and you heal their hearts, that they feel your presence in the space. For those who need hope, Lord, we pray that they begin to feel that hope. Father, we know that you have things to say to us, and so we posture ourselves in surrender to hear what you have to say. So Lord, we thank you for that.